Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for our third hour, uh, probably fourth hour at this point, but our third episode of 24, season one, the Kiefer Sutherland classic in its 20th anniversary. It'll take us 20 years to get through this if we go by law standards. Otherwise, <laughs> it'll take us a regular amount of time. Uh, we don't have no on the line, so uh, we'll aim to get this done uh, by this time tomorrow, I guess, if we're sticking to a 24-hour timeline. Uh, <laughs> we are here to talk about episode 3, 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., uh, the classic episode that we all remember, all those great quotes from, <laughs> all the quotable lines, all the excitement, an hour straight of quotes. How are we going to actually nail this down? <laughs> As I search for the quote that I found originally, but have now lost. <laughs> um, my name is Colin, and you're that dude. Hi, this is Alan, and do it. Oh, you said episode three, right? Sorry, I got confused. <laughs> that was very emperor. Do it. Yeah, yeah. I just, I thought, I thought, oh yeah, we're talking about Star Wars again. But um, <laughs> no, I went with the famous quote. <laughs> Hi, this is Alan, and do it because you know what? It, yes. it, it's not bad because my backup quote was can you put that alan york on the phone <laughs> that would have been perfect i just hi this is alan uh, it, was, it was either either that or um if it wasn't uh, nearly eight o'clock in the morning and people are sleeping i would have been yelling full-on jack bauer who are you working for but uh we've still got a couple of hundred episodes to go so i can fit that in somewhere no doubt Oh, we're going to have so much to talk about this week. We finally start to get to the bottom of Palmer's family issues. <laughs> so much excitement. We get the underside of Los Angeles in this episode. We get the debut of, uh, I'm not going to call him like a classic, classic character, uh, but because uh, I can't even remember his name right now, but the Zach Grenier character, the 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 fixer for uh, Palmer. Oh, Mr. Sleeves, uh, yes. Mr. Sleeves, Mr. what? Mr. Sleeves, I don't. That's not his oh, name. Oh, Sleeves, Sleeves, Mr. Yes. Sleeves. Yeah. Yes, he had sleeves. I noticed two of them in this <laughs> <Did>? episode. <laughs> yes. Um, but more, more importantly, I feel like I'm excited because we have an almost Terry and Alan York free episode <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Oh, poor Alan York. Hi, I'm Alan. Uh, Alan. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> That's who the raptor was talking about in Jurassic Park. Yeah, Street. exactly. Alan. Hey, it was, what? It was not the right you? time. Alan York. <laughs> it's not really Alan. <laughs> that was the end of the line. 
Uh, but episode three, 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, I don't know what you're thinking, but I think a slight improvement over the first two, just a, I guess a tighter pace, even though really there's not a lot that happens in this episode. It is a lot of sitting around the office and Kim running around the underside of Los Angeles, as I said, and Palmer in the underside of Los Angeles. So I love, I love some of those, you know, sleazy, scummy characters we get introduced in this episode, but there's some fuss, some fuss, some fun stuff, <laughs> otherwise known as fuss. Uh, what did you think about all the fuss, Ben? I actually thought this was a decent episode. <laughs> I was like, coming in being all negative about it. I'm like, this actually is a pretty deep, like I was, I was hooked. Like I feel it's quite tense. Um, yeah, it's maybe not the most action-packed episode, but I think there's kind of one of these episodes where there's a few decent twists and it kind of gives you um, a good sense of what the show even more or so is going to be like, really building on what this series will be. And I think kind of this is another one of those episodes, well, one of these episodes, I don't know if maybe we've talked about this much yet, that if you know what happens in this season, it kind of it's more of a payoff. Like it's kind of when you see mm-hmm. some of the little subtle things that are going on in this episode, that if you know what happens, it kind of... It adds to it, but um, no, I actually I really enjoyed this episode. So um, yeah, may, maybe I'm on. I mean, you just kind of said that it's maybe a bit better than the first two, but uh, no, there's something about this episode that I enjoyed, particularly more so than the first two. And maybe it is the lack of Terry, because again, we're considering <laughs> that we're apparently really losing faith in the Terry train. Sorry, Leslie Man slash Hope. <laughs> I have no hope that there's a man. Uh, what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Very chauvinistic for you, but okay, let's move <laughs> Sorry. on. Sorry, <laughs> it's unlike me, is it? I apologize. The feminist voice of this podcast should be not saying things like that. Uh, I mean, I don't want to come across too negative. Like, I, I don't have any issues with this episode. It's just I, I in fact, I, I am looking at it more positively than the first two. I just feel like really when you boil it down, there's a couple of important scenes in here. Uh, there's a good scene between Jack and Nina. Uh, but it, it is, I don't know what would be the way to describe it. It, it is an office place, <laughs> uh, not sitcom, but an office place uh, TV episode it's not, thing. It's not going to be making the top 10 greatest episodes of 24 by a long shot. Right. But it's, um, you know, we're... It's kind. Of, it's interesting, I think, because in the first, this is the third episode, and again, I often compare it to our other long-term TV projects we've done. And I mean, this might be the same for you on Total Drama Island, because I'm not sure how that works. But I think kind of with Nip Tuck Lost and Third Watch, you know, there were probably standout episodes in those first three episodes that you would maybe down the line rank in near your top ten or in your top twenty. Uh, 24 is a great show, but clearly I don't think this is, this is going to be an exception <laughs> that mm-hmm. we're not going to be, you know, in a couple of years' time talking about day one, episode one, two, or three as those iconic episodes. Well, another thing that we haven't talked about yet, uh, I mean, A, television's changed so much that even 24 ditched the, you know, full season format. Um, American shows have always been like a 22-episode season, and outside of America, I mean, you know, it's probably the same in Australia, you know, England, obviously probably the other biggest TV sort of occasionally. We're in the middle. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the middle. We kind of, we take the American model. We take the English model. Sometimes we mm. just go, fuck it. We're going to do a 35 episode season. Like it just depends on the show. Okay. I mean, there are the odd shows in Canada that uh, will go like 22 episodes, but I would say the majority of them are more along the British format, which is, 10 to 13 episodes and that's Mm. your season. I mean, British shows will go even less than that. I mean, it's not unusual to have 
a six episode season. I mean, Faulty Towers probably, you know, one of the originals where every season was no more than six episodes, every of the two seasons. But uh, uh, British will go even further and do like, you know, three two hour long episodes and that's their season. But uh, 24 was actually going above what even the American standard was at the time, which was 22 episodes. They're doing 24 episodes in a season. So if your typical show now that's 13 episodes will usually have one or two hours of filler your 22 episode seasons in america back in the 90s early 2000s would have had filler this needs at least two extra hours of filler so let's just call this one of the extra two hours of filler episodes not a bad one though i mean that's just you know it it is ultimately still filler i feel like yeah and this is the thing with every season of of 24 you do often have your filler episodes and when we eventually get to season nine you know your 12 episode you know when they shorten it it's it's obviously a little bit fast paced but then i think you kind of fit a problem there where that feels almost too rushed but um yeah i think kind of you know you're always going to have it um i definitely think there's a lot more filler episodes to come in this season and Mm. i don't think this there's not it's to me i always look at season one as the filler is still being important because again we're still in that process of we're getting to know this show we're getting to know these characters so i i always look at any first season of a show filler episodes as still being important if that makes sense um i mean there's definitely at least one plot line in this series which is not important and it's stupid and it makes me angry um and we're not even at season two with the cougar yet but um (laughs) No, it's yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. It's it, none none of what is in this episode is going to have a massive outcome. Well, yeah. Without spoiling a major major plot point of this season, there's something in this episode that you need to remember. Uh, I feel maybe involving a few characters at CTU. Yes, that kind of like it. It is. It's meant to. I can't say too much. Anyway, but you know what I'm talking about. Maybe we need to yeah. bookmark this, what I'm trying to say, in, uh, you know, 21 episodes time. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you at what you are saying before. Uh, quickly, before we get started here, this is the third episode in a row by Stephen Hopkins, our favourite director of Lost in Space, one of our guilty pleasures. Um, and uh, uh, one of the creators did write this episode, uh, Joel Cerno, and Michael Lossop is the other one. Now, I'm going to send you something here. Very esteemed, but I am going to send you something because I was caught off guard. I thought that they had a a new writer when I watched this episode. I want you to check your messenger to see the screen credit of who the writer actually was billed at the time okay. of this episode. Let me know I'm, when you see this. I'm excited. Uh, Gel Cerno. Okay. <laughs> wow. His brother. I watched the opening credits. I'm like, Jell Cerno? Like, is this a brother? You know, cousin? What is this? Jell Cerno. How do they I also have pre- a typo? Yeah. J-E-L. I also appreciate how the, the, the screen cap is Terry checking her phone. She's also checking to see, like, is that correct? Jell yeah. Cerno? Jell. Who's Jell Cerno? I don't know who that is. Even Terry's worried. You know, something's going on there. I mean, it's not unusual to have little typos here and there in any movie or TV show. You would think a show with the production, third episode with the production values, and you're blowing one of the creator's names. This isn't just one of your writers of the week. This is one of the creators. Yeah. Executive producers. He's the one who's checking the show before it goes out. Somebody at Fox got fired that week, I feel. (laughs) They they lost their job. Um, Either they just were pissed off at Jell Cerno, uh, they they were drunk, (laughs) 
or they were <laughs> drunk. They were, they were at Fox. So, you know. I they feel, were shooting I, up heroin. Yeah. I feel like we can bag out Fox. I feel like we're the Simpsons, right? Like just constantly yeah. bagging out Fox. So, you know, I feel <laughs> we need to constantly drop Fox jokes. Uh, <laughs> Well, one thing about this episode we'll get into is how edgy I feel like it is. A, a lot of the stuff on here, I don't know, it might be hard to get away with airing some of this on Fox now. And this is sort of two episodes in a row. I mean, the bat to Janet's arm that we saw last week. And then this week, we're going to get them basically injecting her with heroin. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just going to put that now too, you know, Janet. I like... I, I can't think of a character now off the top of my head who is just abused and tortured for no reason <laughs> besides Janet. In tw- I feel so bad for Janet. She's done nothing yeah, you know wrong. There, there are, there's a thing in the Star Trek universe. I know you're not that big of a Star Trek fan. I don't know if you've ever even seen Star Trek, but you're probably familiar with the term red shirts. I know red shirts from Lost. Lost okay. educated me on the red shirt yeah. term. Yes. So, I mean, all the way back in the 60s, the original Star Trek, you know, fans started to notice that every time a character was just killed off, it was some random red shirt. The red shirt were just the disposable guys. Yeah. Uh, And Janet is our red shirt (laughs) this season. Like, Uh, wow. I mean, and I would have normally thought that our final shot, which we'll get to in this, it's like, oh, that's our final shot. And I'm like, no, give it up to her. Janet, like she's going to be our MVP at the end of the season. I just, I just feel so bad for her because like... (laughs) I mean, there are a few that maybe I'm kind of loosely thinking of that you could kind of put that in category. Like, and like, okay, you need every now and then, like, the innocent character who kind of, you know, you, you're not going to kill Kim off, like, three episodes in. I mean, you could. It's 24. You never know who's going to die in this show. We wouldn't complain? We wouldn't complain. Well, <laughs> I mean, at this moment, I'm going to say that annoying Kim in this episode actually isn't that bad, but she's still not great. Anyway, the point is, like, it's it's just weird that this poor girl... Who like like I feel like they needed to kind of like have her in a scene injecting heroin beforehand. So like, oh, she's <laughs> yeah. a bit of a bad influence on Kim, right? Like, okay, you could argue, oh, she snuck Kim out to go meet Dan at the furniture store, but what's wrong with that? They're teenage girls. Dan's clearly great in bed, and she's still stoned because of that. So all she knows about Dan beforehand is that, oh, Dan's great. She doesn't know he's a kidnapper. She's just a poor judge of character. That's all it is. She's a teenage girl. Come on. <laughs> she's Australian, right? Yeah, she exactly. She's an Australian teenage girl. I'm, we know they all shoot up heroin over there. Yeah, God, it's, when you turn 16, that's all you get for your birthday. It's a tradition. Like, happy birthday. That's how, that's, Love, here's your heroin. <laughs> Go to town. That's how Ben got up at 8 in the morning today. Exactly. <laughs> Lovely <dose of> heroin. <laughs> Couple of shots of heroin in the arm. And that's why you need to sign to our Patreon <laughs> over at uh, 007. And maybe the Oz yeah, Network so- by the time this is released. I don't know. <laughs> we're telling people to uh, pay us for our other shows now, but do listen to Double Oz Seven. I'm sure we're it's talking a good show. about. It's a good show. No time to die. I reckon by the out. time we've released this, we've probably not still seen No Time to Die. So um, I mean, we're we're gonna be on season eight by the time No Time to Die is coming out. I think out. so. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the episode here. There's something fun right away, which uh, maybe binge watching helps certain things. I honestly feel like binge watching would not have helped this, uh, Jack. When he pulls over his car, we get the magic scanner that does everything here again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he starts unwrapping what we find out is the finger. But it takes Kiefer so long to unwrap this that I'm thinking, like, he's taking out a lunch taquito or something. Like, is he hungry? <laughs> it looks like he's unwrapping his lunch because it takes, like, a minute and a half. And then you find out it's the finger. And, of course, it's dark. So I'm looking at that. That is a taquito. Oh, man. Kiefer likes taquitos, too. <laughs> Uh, but Kiefer no, likes it's just... taquitos too. The Kiefer yeah, Sutherland exactly. autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture of him yes. staring at a taquito going. 
<laughs> Kiefer likes taquitos too. Uh, we really got to title some. We should, you know, we, we should retitle it. There's a project potentially if we want to do that down the road instead of just the bland 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., we come up with our own titles. This one is Kiefer likes taquitos too. <laughs> Either it's a band, like you and I can form a band. Oh, yeah. Highway Kiefer loves taquitos too. Uh, thanks, for, <gasps> thanks for tuning in. We can do all covers of Kiefer's band. Hey, and I, I mean, I don't know if they do original songs anyway, so they could do covers. So we could be doing covers of covers, and that's yeah. edgy. That's new. Uh, <laughs> or we could just write our own stuff based on this. You know, songs about sex at furniture stores or shooting up heroin to wake up in the morning. <laughs> the Alan York, uh, <laughs> you know, ballad. The ballad of Alan York. <laughs> the ballad of Janet. I just wanted to take my friend to a furniture store, but I got shut up with heroin. Mm. Keith Palmer and Green Day duets. <laughs> I'm just a pointless character you will soon forget. I don't know if I murdered someone, neither do the writers. My sister got raped, it was really, really sad. I'll be in the next series in a boat with my dad. There's something so forgettable about me. My name is Keith Palmer. Thank you. We've got our first hit. Keeper likes taquitos too. Keeper likes taquitos too. <laughs> Download our EP on iTunes. Um, well, let's talk about the episode though. He scans his taquito into the scanner. <laughs> I don't. I remember he took the finger now, but it's not like it was so fresh in my memory uh, from like the end of the last episode where I'm immediately like, oh, he's taken out a finger there. Um, he, he does talk to Terry on the phone here. We get one of the uh, quick moments. That this might be the only scene that Terry has in the episode uh, where she's catching Jack up on all the stuff they learned at the furniture store, uh, <laughs> which is basically Kim and Janet went to a party. Yeah. And uh, and then he's like, okay. And it's, yeah. I don't know where the, here's the best part. He has one, like I'm going to lose it moment in this. It's not, she's at a party. It's like, I don't know where the party is. He goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just immediately like, uh, well, we don't, we don't know where it is. I'm, I'm here with Alan York. Can you put Alan York on the phone? please? <laughs> and I love Terry. Don't do this, Jack. Just put Alan York on the phone, Terry. Cause we all know what I've, Alan York's like. Alan, I've heard so much about you. Do you like taquitos? <laughs> I do. We'll get, we'll, it's 3 a.m. Let's go get some 3 a.m. Mexican. <laughs> Basically, all he wants is for Alan to stay there because who knows what shape the girls are going to be in when they get back from this party. Uh, and Alan's like, you know, sadly, we don't know where the party is. What? <laughs> Your wife already told you this. I'm sorry, it's just really upsetting. But it's a rough neighborhood, Colin. And we, we, you know how you also know it's a rough neighborhood? Because you have a random car drive past, like, beeping the horn at them, scaring them. And yeah. they're like, ah! Well, like, this show has taught me that every area of Los Angeles is a rough neighborhood. Yeah. Now, I don't know why this furniture store that is selling pretty high-end furniture on the inside is doing in the rough neighborhood where girls can't, you know, be out at 3 in the morning. Um but uh, maybe it's a used furniture store. I don't know. I mean, it's certainly used now. Yeah, they, <laughs> Rick well, and yeah. uh, J- 
Dan and Janet and uh, Kim got their use out of everything. You, you talk about Terry not having much to do in this episode. The most entertainment I had from Terry in this episode was after each commercial break when they do the multi-cam, right, and you're looking what each of the characters are doing. <laughs> um, I just liked watching Terry. At one point, she's uh, sitting down looking at her feet. Another one, she literally is sitting next to like a lamb and she looks at the price tag and is like, oh, that's expensive. And then she kind of just like turns away. Uh, like that's literally what she does all episodes. She's just sitting around with Alan York looking at her feet and looking at price tags. So that's the extent of Terry Bauer in this episode until the end, basically. Yeah. Oh, we get all the excitement at the end. Um, but uh, yeah, Terry, Terry and Alan are out of it now. So we get on to some of the good stuff. Um, so after Jack talks to Alan, he convinces him to stay there. We get, uh, Gaines and Mandy, uh, getting into a little bit of a, a spat here as, uh, Mandy's girlfriend is basically trying to hold up Gaines for more money. Uh, we get Palmer and, um, uh, it, it, well, he's Carl. escaped already, but the Carl, yeah. Oh, we're not uh, up to Carl yet, but that's, that's who he's meeting. That's the, the guy. Yeah, he's name. meeting. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, everybody in the Palmer family is realized, oh, he's gone and he's escaped. Oh, dad, <laughs> run off again. Classic Pro- dad. <laughs> off to Bay Maureen Kingsley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's things about Keith. It's not just the story. There's things about Keith where I'm just like, come on. Like you, like, oh, uh, when yeah. he's gonna be like, you know what? I know where he is. I'm going to find dad. I mean, don't worry, everybody. Keith's got this, okay? Yeah. Future president of the United States has run off. Keith's going to get him, okay? <laughs> He's basically the only uh, Palmer family member that I think doesn't become president, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, there's uh, the stuff that happens. <laughs> Keith is forced to stay there. Uh, and um, somebody has a line here, everything's Copa, as in they were trying to say copacetic. I think that was Rick or Dan, but I just I noted it because I'm like, what a Dan, douchey line. Yeah, because that's Dan. when he answers the phone. Because this is when we find, this is the first time we realize that they're working with Gaines, right, isn't it? Like, this is the first time well, we they get had that connection. Well, they said last week they had a throwaway line where it says Gaines isn't going to be happy about this. All uh, right, yep, yep. But they, they get the full-on phone call here. So, yeah, I think it, it's one of them. I th- Yeah, let's just say it's Dan. who's like, everything's Copa. I was like, Rick. You are so- we know Rick's not that oh. losery, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rick's cool. Rick, Rick's edgy. Rick's Rick, he knows sexy. how to shoot heroin up into people, so he's and, and cool. <laughs> he knows how. Not only does he know how to inject heroin into people, he knows how to inject heroin into people just to alleviate pain and not get them stoned. Like, that's how yeah, exactly. good Rick is. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. They're able to walk, run, you know, take a stunt hit from a car. Rick <laughs> should be it. a doctor. Like, he should be a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Rick. Yeah, okay, so Dan gets the furniture store and Rick gets his own medical practice. Mm-hmm. Dr. Rick. One of these guys is a winner. Dr. Rick. All Dr. right, Rick. so uh, at, while they're at the airport, Janet's arm's, of course, broken still, and she's in so much pain she's screaming. Now, they're not worried. There's a lot of planes out there. I, hmm. I would feel like they'd be more worried about the noise considering they're not the only ones there. Security, yeah. <laughs> Pre-9-11, sorry. You can just park a van at an airport with nobody giving you a double look easily. Exactly. I mean, well, all air, airport tarmacs just had teenagers getting, you know, heroin injected into them. And uh, Los Angeles in the early 2000s, exactly. it was a wasteland. I mean, when I went oh, to LA for the first time, it just you land the plane and the plane's dodging all these drug-infused teenagers. It's like, oh, sorry, folks, we just got to dodge a couple of junkies. Yeah, all that Los Angeles is is drugged-out teenagers 
uh, drugged out male prostitutes <laughs> and teenagers bashing cars in with baseball bats. That is Los Angeles. And angry, angry sons of future presidents. It's, it's all yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You should see Joe Biden's kids right now. They're just, uh, you know, just <laughs> furious in L.A. Just going back to Keith for a second, his idea, too, was he was going to go look at the coffee shop. Like, your yeah. dad snuck away from security to go get a coffee at Starbucks. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keith, like... Just, just don't. Everybody watching this, if you're watching for the first time, don't get invested in the Palmer children. Seriously, don't. Oh, like, just it's a, it's I a was, one season thing. <laughs> let's be honest. If it was not a one season thing, is anybody getting invested in the Palmer kids? But, but I mean, this is where I think kind of they do it well. Almost like you, you're gonna next season, we're gonna be complaining so much about Kim, and they eventually kind of you know redeem Kim. But um, you know, they could have done it with the Palmer kids. Like, there could have been something. I mean, we're going to get, um, you know, David's brother, who's not the worst until he just disappears. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just, I mean, again, it's the first season, right? You're setting it up. You don't know what direction. Yeah. Like, the writers aren't thinking right now they're going to be doing this for eight seasons. This is going to be a Golden Globe, you know, Emmy Award-winning show. They don't know. So, they can set all these different things up right now and, and it makes it a little bit interesting. Let's get to know this guy who's running for president. He's got a family, political intrigue. Like we're going to get a lot of political intrigue stories throughout the, the years of 24. That's a large part of this show. But um, of all the political intrigue stories, the drama of Palmer's children in season one does not hold up the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty weak. Um a couple other things that happen here. Uh, Palmer is going to meet, uh, or uh, he's on his way. I don't think he's met Carl Webb yet. No. But uh, when he pulls in there, pulls in the parking garage where he's going to meet him, um, you get those teenagers who just have the baseball bats bashing in cars and everything. And they recognize him, uh, of course. You know, <laughs> they're not like, they hey. recognize him. I'm sorry. I'm calling bullshit. These are two, <laughs> like, street kids who are off with that guy getting heroin and stuff like that. As if yeah. one of them just, just happens to be, you know, taking a break and reading the Los Angeles Times. Oh, no, Palmer's <laughs> up in the polls. So that later that night when they're special, dude, this is that guy that's running for president. Like, yeah. Okay, I, like I get it. it. He's the first African-American guy with a real shot at the White House, right? Like, I'm sure that kids, street kids in L.A. in 2008 probably knew who Barack Obama was. But really? Like, this is only the primaries. This isn't, you know, election day. Like, I don't know how I, I, well these kids are going to know them. We joked last week about the, the white suburban couple that uh, <laughs> recognized him as like, it's a black man. <laughs> but... Uh, like these kids, I feel like they write that line in there because I completely agree with you. They write the line in there of you're that dude uh, <laughs> to simply explain why they don't kill him. Because these kids in this area destroying every single car and Palmer basically gets in their face and threatens death upon them. Like that's the other thing I find funny. He says, you're going to be dead in five years if you keep this up. Like if they actually know who Palmer is, they're going to the press with like, that guy who's running for president, you know, the black guy. <laughs> <laughs> In, that hangs out in that bad neighborhood. <laughs> he told me he was going to cause a very slow death. Well, that's that's it. These kids could make money because even not that, they could just literally go, hey, we saw that guy running for president in a shady garage at three in the yeah. morning, like something like political intrigue. They could sell their story. I, I really wish the writers had of like four think this and let's spoil it. Palmer's going to become president, spoiler alert. But um, like in three, four seasons time, I want Palmer on the phone going, yes, uh, a couple of years ago, I threatened these kids and said within five years, they're going to be dead. Well, the clock's <laughs> ticking, kill them. Uh, <laughs> 
I will say, I actually like what Palmer says to this one kid, though. Like, it kind of it shows a bit of Palmer's character here. Like, when oh, yeah, like, you get the presidential side of him yeah, coming What out. are you going to do for me? I'm, you know, no, the question is, what are you going to do for yourself? Like, I like that. Yeah, and then also... You don't that, know my life. But there's that. Well, this is a problem. Like, one problem I'll say with this scene is, like, as much as I like it, and again, this is a season one setup, which I feel they thought they would explore this, but you never find out more about this line, is when, yeah, you say that line, like, you don't know my life. Or like, you know, you don't know what I've been through or something like that. And the way Palmer's like, you know, yes, I do. You know, more than you know. Like, yeah. I want to know. Like, this kind of sounds intriguing. Palmer's come from a rough background. I want to know this. But we we ultimately never find out about this. I also like the idea that all the characters we meet in this episode are all connected. Mm. So when they do go to the press, they're like, you know what? He was hanging out in this bad area. I saw a lot of broken windows. I bet he did it. Yeah. And there's this kid who has given somebody a blowjob behind a dumpster. Yeah. I didn't see him, but I'm pretty sure it was Palmer. I'm glad you know you've worked out what a blowjob is. Good job. But, um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I want to see the um, the Palmer attack ad campaigns from his opponents. Yeah. Like. David Palmer walks neighborhoods in Los Angeles, smashing windows and offering blowjobs. Is this the man you want as president? Authorized by Donald Trump for the Republican Party. You know, that's not how they do it in America. It's, I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. Yeah, I want those. A <laughs> um, couple other things we, we've alluded to it many times. Uh, Rick stands up to Dan here Ooh. because he, he wants to inject some heroin into Janet. <laughs> Uh, which this this scene it was it's not just that it's like you could imply anything. Uh, I also love that um, uh, Dan is like, "You're not taken from my stash," <laughs> <laughs> which he does. Uh, which they, they, these guys about everything there, and he just immediately goes to the heroin. Like you could have gone and just had a couple of pills, pop them in her, and it actually would have made sense because it seems to make less sense to me if it's heroin. Again, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't know anything about heroin other than what I saw in train spotting, but I've seen those guys in train spotting, and I don't think that they're running a half marathon with a broken arm like yeah. Janet is in this episode. It's but a bit the of fact a mistake, that they I think. But then they, the fact they showed it on network television in 2001, I guess a little bit ballsy, but uh, I'm not really buying it. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, there's Nina uh, getting the phone call from Jack when he's already in the building. And all of a sudden, I'm, uh, I'm a block away. <laughs> he's just lying as he's peeking around the corner. What if she's just like, I see you, Jack. <laughs> <Peek-a-boo>. <laughs> Ready or not, here I come. <laughs> I know your games. This is like that weekend, <laughs> the second weekend in January we spent away together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, Jack's just distracting Nina so he could go talk to Jamie first. And uh, when he goes up uh, uh, to talk to Jamie, he's sort of cluing her in. Walsh said, you're the only one that I could trust. Uh, I need you to find out if this guy, I need you to go to Nina's computer and uh, make sure she, you know, she doesn't see it. So th- this whole elaborate scheme, this is the one part of the episode I really liked. This sort of sting that they set up where minute later, Nina comes back. And he's like, I need to talk to you upstairs. And he's just stalling. And, you know, of course, at first, it's just, uh, you know, regular talk about, I have some information. Or what is it? Uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> and it's like, all right, well, I'm going back to work. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. And he's peeking. Jamie's not. I don't think they have this hand signals. He looks at Jamie and she's like, no. <laughs> uh, are you banging Tony by any chance? <laughs> Well, that's none of your business, Jack. <laughs> uh, but we also talked about this. Uh, they would be disclosing this. Like, they would have to disclose it. Yeah. Uh, but Jack's just nosy here. Uh, I think we also get Jack taking off his shirt here. I'm sure you noted it. Is this oh, yeah. around this point? It is. Okay, so it, interesting trivia here. 
we, we get Kiefer Sutherland's tattoos all over his arms that we see. And it, it sort of caught me off guard because I'm like, you know, I, I don't take note of when Kiefer Sutherland takes his shirt off like Ben does. Or my mom did. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Ben and my mom have very similar tastes in men. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, I'm like, I don't know if I ever saw Jack with tattoos before. I mean, it might fit the character if he was like, you know, special forces and stuff. Uh, but apparently after this episode, they would cover it up with makeup. So this mm. might be the only time these tattoos are ever visible in 24. I'm pretty sure you're uh, right. Because I remember watching this with my friend Kelly and she, you know, definitely noted the tattoos. But um, no, I'm pretty mm. sure you are right. Because, Kiefer, I mean, we can talk a lot about Kiefer outside of 24, you know, the, the drunken sort of rebel he is. And I think kind of, you yeah. know, that there's lots of scenes and images out there with him with his shirt off because he's Kiefer Sutherland. You know, why wouldn't you want to take his shirt off? But, um, yeah, I think this is also still leading into that period because, like, I feel Kiefer Sutherland's image has kind of changed slightly since 24, right? Like, he got be- yeah. became extra famous of this and, like, this kind of cool cult figure that is Jack Bauer. And now he kind of does shows where he's, like, a medium and the president. Like, you know, he's kind of nice. Whereas, like, before this, he was always the villain. He was always the bad guy. Like, he was – I think he corrupted Julia Roberts, didn't he, when he was, like, dating <laughs> Julia Roberts. Like, he was, he was a bit of a rebel before 24. So, kind of, you can understand him having tattoos before Jack Bauer really calmed his image down mm-hmm. jack bauer calmed his image down that's kind I know, of scary. right like it's, it's weird this is a guy who's going to be chopping heads off and fucking <laughs> shoving rope down people's throat oh but he's a calm man uh we'll kind of wrap it up um with uh this sequence here i do find it funny though that tony as much of a nosy dick as he is is not watching nina's computer like he's all over the place like he's got eyes everywhere and yet he's not like uh nina jamie was just on your computer Mm. he's the one time he's on a break here him and cubby are off uh uh, break here uh but uh, jamie basically says that there's some data that's been erased this reminded me of star wars here too the data must have been erased. Only a Jedi could have erased it from the archives. <laughs> uh, but they're setting up the plot here that is a little bit of what we're going to get later in the season. Uh, some of the Nina, Jamie, Walsh, everybody but Tony and Cubby being involved in this. I, I love how you like, uh, you know, only a Jedi could erase that from the archives. I-, I want Snooty Librarian. If it's not in our archives, it does not exist. <laughs> it does <laughs> not exist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you also miss a, um, previously on? We do not have another previously on, or is that just my episode? I might have just got dodgy episodes. I, I'm, I'm curious about that because I read on the trivia that this was the first time they used a previously on 24, again, playing into that it was always intended to be a two-part episode mm-hmm. uh, for, the, for the premiere. But I, I think that I saw it when I first watched it on Amazon Prime. But I could be imagining that because I went back to try to watch it again and it mm. jumped straight into the episode. So yeah. I'll have to confirm next week. Well, because, I mean, like I, I, when I used to have all the DVDs for these, like they all had the previously ons on them. And I, like I, I definitely – I know a previously on exists for this episode because mm-hmm. there's like a cool little recap series on YouTube where uh, if you just want to watch a 10-minute recap of a season of 24, they just literally put all the um, previously ons together. Um, but yeah, on my version, at least I don't have a previously on, not that it matters, but I just, I didn't have a previously on. This is also, I believe the last episode to have events occur in real time, uh, at least on season one. I I believe they do that on season two, at least in the first episode, kind of to remind people. But, um, I believe this is the last one to ever use in this season, at least. And so we're not that far away from the, my name is Jack Bauer. You know, people have kidnapped my wife and daughter. This is the longest day of my life. Um, yeah, I, I just love I, anything with Alan. I just, 
hi, this is Alan. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just appreciating Alan so much. But there's just subtle Jack. Like, this is what I think I like about this episode. There's just so much. Like, Kiba Sutherland's amazing in this episode. Um, just the different types of acting he's doing, you know, calm Jack, like on the phone, getting the thumbprint or the taquito, you know, calling his wife. How's Kim doing to what? Like angry what? Jack. And then when he, when he like rocks up to, um, CTU and he's kind of hiding around the corner and then I like it when he's like on the computer to Jamie and he's like, you know, like Jamie, keep working. And then I love when Nina looks at him. He's kind of got that like little childish look on his face. Like, hi, hi Nina, yeah. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Like, I just, and, and then like the, the office scene, like the thing when he's kind of confronting Nina, what I love about that is the, the super zoom in on their faces, how tense it is. Yeah. Like it's kind of, and just the Keeper Sutherland facial acting is fantastic. Even the line when he's just like, are you seeing Tony? And, it, and like Sarah Clark as well is fantastic. But I mean, you know, I'm sorry, Sarah Clark, I like you, but you pale in comparison to Keeper Sutherland. Um, and just Keeper Sutherland owns this episode. This is, I feel like, Keeper Sutherland's first powerhouse of an episode, the way he is in this one. So there's so many what? scenes. What? What? Um, yeah, I, I kind of like how Dan becomes kind of this tough, badass character that all of a sudden he's just like wimpy, like, don't, not Rick, don't hit me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we've lost tough Dan. Like, if Janet's having sex with Dan all of a sudden, he's she's not getting stoned all of a sudden after this. Um, although I do like it later on when Janet wakes up and it's like, Janet, wake up. What do you remember? Dan. <laughs> it's like, he broke your arm. Not Dan, he broke my <laughs> vagina. Like... <laughs> Because Dan's great. Um, I love Iris stuff in this episode too. Like Mandy's girlfriend's just a pain. Like she's she's not a Janet. She's somebody who deserves to die. You totally know she's going to die in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and like props to Mia Kirshner as well this episode. Because like, again, this is what I was saying before about this episode pays off if you've seen it before because you know ultimately that a girlfriend's going to get killed at the end. But when you know that, like you kind of can just see in Mia Kirshner's face that she knows she's going to die. Like just the, yeah. the, her reaction. She's just like, oh, fuck. This isn't going to end well for you. Um, and the thing thing that I love about, and this is a, an early 2000s thing, right? Like we, we've talked a little bit before on this, I think, and also other episodes of the Oz Network, you know, groundbreaking shows around this time for like uh, gay representation, right? Will and Grace, Survivor, you know, all these different shows. Um, this was still at that period where it's like, oh, evil people are lesbians. Like <laughs> it's kind of like the way they oh, yeah. like watching this in 2021. Like you literally watch this right now and you're like, okay, so two women kissing, whatever, I don't give a fuck. But, like, when you first saw this, like, I remember, like, ooh, they're extra well, evil because they're two sexy lesbians. Yeah, like, we should mention, because I-, I thought about that, too. Uh, we're a couple years removed from Ellen being out as, like, the first, you know, uh, openly gay lead character on a TV show. A yeah. couple other TV shows had done it for supporting characters here and there. Uh, you didn't really see it in drama at all. At this mm. point, I feel like. And if you did, it was on HBO. It wasn't on network television. And if you did see any gay characters, you never actually really see them doing anything physical other than holding hands. And here you get them like full on making out for, you know, five, ten seconds. So, uh, again, another thing goes along with this being one of the edgy episodes uh, for Fox TV back in 2001. Which, which again, I like forward ahead of its time. But like also, I mean, I guess good to see that like as i just said too as well like we can look at this now without even batting an eyelid it's just normal to us now which is great like it's great that we can watch this now and not have to have that shocking reaction of oh, evil people are lesbians oh like now it's just like yeah so they're in love good for them and you you watch it too much and you're gonna turn gay <laughs> i would definitely turn gay for me a kirshner i uh, <laughs> would, 
<laughs> gladly turn gay for her. Um, I'm already gay for Kiefer, so I've got to uh, go to there. Um, Sherry Palmer doesn't have a lot to do this episode, but I, I do no. kind of like her interaction with Aaron um, and, you know, the way she's kind of like, oh, you know, we've had so many threats since our first day and how Aaron's just like, oh, we only get called in if the threat is serious. Like, is that really going to, like, make you feel better? <laughs> like, yeah, hey, we get 30 of these a day. Well, none of them have been serious until now. What? <laughs> Hold on a second. Keith said he was just at the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> Keith knows these things. <laughs> um, you're absolutely right, though, about um, the heroine. And just I don't get how <laughs> Janet basically gets injected with a, a thing of heroin, particularly like if you're not heroin. You, again, I'm not like I, I'm not like you. What? I am like you. <laughs> I don't know how heroin works. Like. Again, I see it on, on TV. I've never, you know, experienced and I don't want to ever experience it. No offense to our heroin listeners out there. You keep shooting up, guys. I'm sure it's good for you. <laughs> as long as you pay us on Patreon. <laughs> exactly. Spend a couple of those bucks on us. Um, like, but do, like a pain reliever, sure. But there's going to be a bit of a side effect. You're not going to be like, if, if this is literally how it worked, if you injected it, and then you were fine and you could run a marathon, then fuck all the Olympians would be on this, right? Like, you know, you like somebody breaks a leg, like something gets hurt in the Toronto Maple Leafs, like Austin Matthews gets COVID. I'll fucking inject me with some heroin. I'll be right. Like, you know, I'll shake now it off Now we know later. how Usain Bolt broke all those records. It was all the heroin. Exactly. Like, it's just kind of, okay, if that's all it takes. Like, is, is heroin known as a performance-enhancing drug? Well, clearly after 24, <laughs> it should be. It's clearly what Britney Spears is on when she broke that world record. <laughs> couple of, whenever that was. Um, the A couple of things, too. Like, also when you inject heroin, Colin, to make it extra evil, you have to play metal music because metal yeah. signifies evil, just like lesbians yeah. signify you know evil. Metal. They could have gone with Coldplay here, yeah, but they have to go somewhere <laughs> a little bit harder. It was all yellow. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, no, it's more like oh, I'm gonna fucking kill you because I'm metal. <laughs> That's um, Kiefer eats taquitos or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, experimental album. The new <laughs> hit song. Kiefer likes taquitos too. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mentioned before, I actually really like the Palmer scene. Uh, I also love when he gets, he like catches the baseball bat and then like, as soon as they walk off, he kind of like holds his hand, like, you know, tough man Palmer, like it's kind of, kind of cool. Um, the other thing I've written down a few things here. There's one that I really want to point out, which I'll forget about. Like Jack rings up the guy with the thumb, right? Like at the very beginning of the episode. And, like, I don't even know who these people are. Is this just, like, the International Agency for Thumbprints or something like that that you can call at 3 a.m.? Because it's literally, like, Bauer, code, blah, 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 blah. Yep, we'll be back to you. When this guy calls him back, there's no clearance protocol. It's just like, hey, you called about this thumb? It's like, okay, yep, cool. Like, I could have just been an office staffer picking up the thing, right? And they could have been like, yeah, uh, is that Jack Bauer? And it was like, yes. Oh, yeah, calling about the thumb? Uh, yeah, this is uh, President Clinton. He's the assassin. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thumb came from a male, 37 years old, mild traces of taquitos. <laughs> but the one thing I love is that this guy like calls up, hi, this is such and such from Thumbprints R Us. You called about an hour ago? No, he didn't. He called like 15 <laughs> minutes ago. What time are you on? Um, I think that was the only thing. Oh, I like the guys in the garage. Yo, dude, that's a guy running for president, dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
run as a president, dog. Uh, yeah, that that's that's about it. Also, is this the first time we hear the proper CTU ringtone? The do, 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 do. yeah, that everybody has the, used. Oh, I had that as a ringtone for a while. I love it. I think this might be the first time we've heard it. Oh, that's the other thing. When Jack changes his shirt, and um, Nina. Is it Nina? Like he's kind of trying to pass off. Oh yeah, he answers the phone to Jamie, and Jamie's like, "Yes, that definitely came from uh, Nina's computer." And Nina's like, "Oh, who was that on the phone?" Jack's like, "That was Division. They want the passenger list. I want this scene where Nina sends a passenger list to Division, and they're like, we didn't ask for this.' Yeah, <laughs> some some poor office admin at Division's going, "No, we we trust you guys. We're only here to like like because Division is like the the police force of CTU, right? They're the guys who are there to make sure that they're in line." I don't think they need the passenger list. So poor office admin. No, I didn't ask for this. <gasps> Jack must be evil. He must be relieved of his command because he added the extra you know work. What ti- you know what time it is? <laughs> it's almost three in the morning. What are you doing calling me? Just because a 747 blew up. Clearly in this show, it's not important. So for us, it's not important either. Wake me up at seven. It's all fake news. I heard it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> We're ahead in the we're ahead in the terrorist account. Don't listen to the news. The media is fake. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you can confirm this with me. Uh, maybe there's some trivia out there somewhere. But uh, CTU, uh, I don't need this confirmed. But I know this part. But it is the counterterrorism unit. Counterterrorist uh, unit. I thought terrorism or terrorist. I thought it was just terrorist. I think it's counterterrorism. Oh, okay. And, oh, they uh, they stop terrorism. They don't just stop terrorists because terrorists are conducting <laughs> well, terrorism. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. In this episode, maybe I've been thinking it was wrong all this ye- uh, all these years, but I uh, saw them put up the counter-terrorist unit. Okay, I actually found it here on 24 Wiki. Uh, so the counter-terrorist unit also referred to as counter-terrorism unit. So <laughs> okay. they're, they're, they're very indecisive on their name because I saw the, the graphic come up counter-terrorist unit, but mm. I know it's been referred to as counter-terrorism unit. It's but just like Jen Cerno. It's just they don't know what they're yeah, doing. Joel. <laughs> Joel, so sorry. Joel, Joel Cerno is the director of counter-terrorist unit and Jell <laughs> is the director of terrorism. <laughs> yep, that's how it works. Uh, now we got to the bottom of that one. Anyways, uh, so uh, Bridget uh, is basically convincing Mandy to extort gains for more money. Uh, that's going to come up a little bit later on. I don't know. Does Mandy go along? Like, let's give theories here. Is Mandy going along with this? Cause she knows it's not going to matter. She's like, Hey, maybe I could get some more money out of this. I know that she's going to die, but I'll just go along with it because yeah, it's think- easier than arguing. Well, I just think I just think Mandy's evil, right? Man, Mandy only cares about herself, and Mandy only cares about the job. And I think kind of like this is just like a spy thing. Like she's clearly fallen for this girl and likes her, but she knows the job or sort of working for gains is a bigger is a bigger deal. So she's willing to sacrifice her, like kind of going. That that's what I read from this because that's why she's kind of clearly upset. She's got just got that look on her face where she's like, "Fuck, you're gonna die!" Like, and yeah. that, that's what I love about Mandy. And just like she's just so evil and like when we get her back like you just automatically know boom he's mandy like she's just oh she's such a good character i think this is also why 24 stuck with that you know three villain formula for so long because it really does work to keep a lot as a mystery um Mm. you know we both have completely different favorite 24 villains both from the same season but different villains uh and I i feel like even with those characters it's the mystery surrounding them that makes it more interesting that you don't have everything spelled out. And I, again, I love Marwan in season five, but maybe it is just too much of one character that is, it doesn't feel as deep 
if you don't have all those questions in your head where you can make up their backstory. Because I, I like this both ways. I like thinking of it as she is going along with this because she knows they're just going to kill Bridget anyways, and I'm not going to convince her. So, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll take a shot. And I like it and thinking, you know what? She actually would just take this money and go. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's probably a combination of both. She's like, you know what? I'll go along with Bridget's plan. They might kill her, but maybe I'll get away with the money. It, it, she just doesn't care. She's all in it for the the business. And that's that's what I like about some of these characters where they do this. Like, yeah, like I mean, I'm a big Marwan fan too. But some, sometimes you can go too far with like explaining backstories and that with certain characters. Like, there's a balance I feel. And um, you know, we're gonna get that with some of the sort of terrorists later on. Where it's like, oh, we're gonna explain they've got a family and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it works, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think sometimes you just need a random badass character who you don't really need, but you can kind of yeah. just there's they're a good enough actor that you can read into them. One of my favorite sort of side random characters in 24, which is like, I feel they waste them because A, they're a great actor and B, kind of like the story is set up that you feel they're going to come back, but they never ultimately do, um, is in the, I think it's the fifth season he's in, Henry and Cusack, who of course is Desmond in Lost, is a Mm -hmm. random like German agent for like two or three episodes. I don't know if you remember him being in 24, but they kind of set him up as somebody who's going to like come back maybe and he never returns. And I don't know if that's just because Lost became a thing, but just random characters like that who you kind of feel a weird connection to and you feel they're setting up for something bigger. Uh, Mandy's one of them. Sadly, Desmond won't be one of them. He's too busy (laughs) trying to find Penny. So, yeah. Uh, let's, um, wrap, I guess we could pretty much just wrap up Go everything else here. It's not a whole Go for it. Okay. <laughs> Kim makes her escape. Now I really was questioning even more the heroine, more than the heroine, her deciding to twist Janet's arm around to put a sweatshirt on her until I read the trivia. Uh, again, doesn't help the story when you know her arm is broken. She's like, come on, come on, just put the shirt on, just twist and a little bit more that way. The reason for the sweatshirt was because when they planned out these episodes, they didn't think about the stunts later down the road. And they had Janet wearing something that was not appropriate for taking a hit from a car in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So essentially they got to this episode and the stunt performers like, I'm not getting hit by a car without padding. Mm -hmm. They said, okay, well, what if we put a sweatshirt on you? Sure. Isn't her arm broken? Oh, she'll do it really carefully. <laughs> Does not work well if you're actually thinking about the story, but it's literally only there so that they could uh, have her hit by a car and have some padding underneath it. And Kim's the worst too. There's a sequence when they're running here and she's like, How, how's your arm? And Janet's like, oh, it's fine as long as I don't move it. And Kim's like, snaps it out. Well, don't move it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't move it, Kim. <laughs> like, I don't, you don't need that line from Kim. That just makes Kim sound like a bit of a bitch. Like, well, I know. don't move it. <laughs> Yeah, I she know. didn't say she was. She was just like, "Well, it's fine. It's if I don't move, well, don't move it." Uh, we get a scene with Jamie getting pretty nosy about Jack's personal life here, yeah. asking if he did anything. This is where he actually tells about when Terry and I were separated. I was, and and I just totally wanted Jamie to follow up. I was like, "Was she good?" <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> um, this is where uh, after Kim and Janet make their escape, which this, I did like this part. Like I'll, mm. I'll agree with you. I don't hate Kim in this episode just because the escape is fun. Uh, not fun as I'm like, Oh, I love seeing, you know, prostitutes and uh, <laughs> people getting hit by cars, but just, it was an exciting chase the whole time. Um, the, them sneaking around and hiding behind dumpsters. They get, they find this male prostitute giving a blowjob behind a dumpster. He says, you owe me 50 bucks. Uh, as Rick and Dan are chasing after them. Now they've lied to Gaines on the phone too. 
uh, and they're uh, obviously having to find them. So, okay, we got a new meeting. But it was very convenient that Gaines said, all right, changing plans. We're not going to meet at the airport. We're going to buy you some time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Kim and Janet uh, are, are basically covered for by this male prostitute. He does take their money for them. They end up meeting him again later, which is very convenient <laughs> in his little rat hole that he's living in. Uh, and he gets like a big story arc here. Like this guy gets a hero moment, um, which would almost make you feel like this character's coming back, but he's not. Nope. Uh, but um, uh, anyways, there's uh, uh, the interrogation of Nina that happens here. Oh, uh, so Jack is... <laughs> yeah, Jack doing a full-on Jack Bauer interrogation right yeah. in Nina's face. She's denying it all. Um, he basically covers up, uh, or or she she uh, does she cover up or does she let, let anyways? Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I don't Nina. know, Colin. I've never seen this before. <laughs> uh, Nina does have a good cover story, is where I was going with that. Uh, where she's like, wait a second. Uh, after they bring Jamie in, it's like, this happened on February the 11th. That was the night that we were off banging at the furniture store in Santa Barbara. <laughs> he's like, You're right. That was a great night. <laughs> so Nina's off, clear. Uh, now the suspicion is on, well, who could have planted all this information from Nina's computer? Uh, we're going to find out uh, in a little bit. Uh, but for now, we're going to assume it's Tony because he's suspiciously giving his seductive voice over the phone to somebody saying, I need you to come and take care of Bauer. He needs to be relieved of his duties. <laughs> the way he says it's so mustache twirling villain. <laughs> like, oh, man, Tony's just not good in this season. I mean, he's good in that he serves his perfect uh, his purpose perfectly. But you do not like anything about this guy. I mean, maybe it's just me. Yeah, I mean, you're not meant to. I mean, I think I remember watching this for the first time and going, oh, this guy's the worst, right? Um, but, like, I, I'm so far removed now from watching this for the first time that I just know, ah, oh, we like Tony. Like, you know, get over it. Like, I, the thing I just have the issue is, is, like, what has Jack done, Tony, you little <laughs> shit? Like, I mean, I guess that's the point, right? Like, like yeah. he basically, he gives up on CTU because he sees Nina skulking down the stairs. He kind of sits down and plump. Me, me, do it evil, me. And so, so Tony's like, oh, my boss thinks my girlfriend like made her upset. I'm going to dob on her. I'm going to call the boss. Boo, we need to be relieved. Of- Again, he hasn't done anything wrong, Tony, you little bitch. But um, yeah, that's the point, right? That's what we're all you meant know- to think. Something else with Tony in this episode that kind of bothers me a bit. I mean, Jack breaks the news to Jamie about Walsh. I know you and Walsh were really close. I'm sorry. He's dead. And she tears up. Uh, Tony, now, everybody must know she's close to Walsh, if that's the case. Tony's like, hey, did you read the Bolton? Yeah. Somebody somebody killed Walsh. That guy just cacked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I heard there was a lot of blood and everything. It was really disgusting. I you want to see a picture of me? But like props to um the actress playing Jamie here. I don't have a name right now, but um, like I, I kind of like the way she's sort of playing it off as sort of like, oh, that can't be true. Like he was only here yeah. like an hour ago. And like, you can tell she's trying to hold in. Karina Ariove is her, Ariove? Oh, I can't pronounce the last name. Fukunagua. But, <laughs> But, yeah, like, I think I kind of like the way she plays it off there. And that, but, you know, Tony's yeah. a bit of a dick. Like, oh, Walsh is dead. You know that guy you're banging, Jamie, or that you're really close with? He's dead. 
Gone. Not with us anymore. Guts everywhere. Never coming back. Uh, I love, I'm just reading here. I've froze frame uh, memorandum. Agent Richard Walsh, 16-year veteran of the CTU, was shot and killed early this morning. Agent Walsh was on duty when he was shot at the Dunlop Plaza area of Los Angeles. Details following. Um, they're so quick in 24 land, aren't they? They can get a 747 blown up within five minutes, get a passenger list. Here they are, like a guy shot an hour ago. Boom, memorandum. Um, it's, it's ready to go. Um, yeah, the the Palmer sort of scene with um, Carl, like I kind of like this, that he's got a bit of a fixer and you kind of you learn a bit more about Palmer here too, don't you, where he's all like, oh, I know you're the type of guy that won't you know compromise your integrity, but I'm the guy who's going to here to fix it. And I like it when the cars come like screaming around the corner and he's like, is that you? He's like, yes. It's like, oh, get out of here. <laughs> it's just like, what about those two teenage kids who saw us meet? They're going to go to the press. <laughs> I'll fix them too. I'm the fixer. Don't worry. Um <laughs> Yeah, the I forgot ki- that he existed as a character until I saw this episode. Because he's um, he's in Twister, like right? He's in, he's yeah. in Twister. He's um, Jonas's uh, driver guy, basically. That's what mm-hmm. I know him from. I thought he was in Air Force One as well, because there's a lot of people in this um, particular season that were in Air Force One. But no, he's not one of those ones. But um, what's his face? Zach Grenier? Grenier? He's in a yeah. lot of things. So, um, But yeah, like other things I really like in this. Like You mentioned the Kim stuff. Like Kim... Like, this is the type of stuff that gets annoying with Kim, that just literally everything she does, somehow she finds herself getting into trouble. Like, it just it just mm. follows her. It gets to a point where you're literally rolling your eyes going, oh, God, here we go again. But this is at the point where you're not there yet, and it's tense. It's like, it's kind of, like, I like this escape sequence. I like the fact that, you know, she has this run-in with this male prostitute. And got to say, kind of feel for this male prostitute because, like, here he is, like, you know, like, how much does he, like, you know, designer jeans cost? And I like how he's like to Jenna, like, want to swap places with me while I go snuggle up with daddy in the Hollywood Hills? <laughs> like, I'm kind of on team male prostitute here. And particularly when, <laughs> when... Wait a second. Can we get a shirt with Ben's face on it says, I'm on team male prostitute? <laughs> but, like, I feel like even, like, you meant to sympathize here with Kim and Janet, which She's like, we've been kidnapped. We don't know where we are. This guy's homeless and having to get yeah. suck business guys off for 50 bucks. Like, yeah. broken hearts, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm on team male prostitute. I here. agree. Completely agree. Um, But he does get a bit of a heroic moment. I like random guy with phone. and that. The one thing, though, that doesn't really hold up and it doesn't make sense. Like, you talk about the whole stunt with the car. Why does Kim stop and just stare at these two running to... It's Kim's fault Janet gets hit. I'm sorry, Kim. Like, I'm kind of defending you in this episode. You're not that annoying. You literally stop to turn around and go, they're coming. Well, poor Janet's running off in the street. Getting hit by a car again, like let's be honest, those stupid idiot drivers, like who's fucking hitting them and like how do you get hit in that street at the middle of Los Angeles at that time of night? But then like it's just it's Kim's fault. Janet Janet getting hit, your fault, Kim. Don't stop. Just keep running forward, essentially. So um but she lives. She 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 yeah, that's the plot. Haven't really been good cliffhangers so far this season, has there? Like we've had No. Mandy parachuting, wannabe Martin Belkin shooting an egg. And Janet waking up. They're your cliffhangers so far. Um, what's the face dying? Mandy's girlfriend. Sad. Sure, we knew it was. Ha- Although I do, I do like that scene though. Like I kind of like the way they're sort of holding hands. Like we got away with it, and then you just hear this, Poof, and then dies, and just Mandy, just Mia Kirshner again. Like just the tear rolling down the street, and just Ira just straight away going, "Got a job this summer. You want it?" She's just like, "Yeah." And then they just walk off. Like, and I think this is the last we see of Mandy. I believe this season too. So. 
Um, great. We should also mention the reason why Palmer is meeting up with Keith, uh, with with Carl. <laughs> with Keith. Keith is being, acu- <laughs> being accused of murder. Yeah, he was because that's where he murders <laughs> oh, yeah. people. So that's that's the big. That was the phone call. That's the accusation that uh, Maureen Kingsley has is that Keith uh, is possibly a murderer because Nicole was raped and that the guy who raped her didn't commit suicide. He was killed. Plot twist. Oh, Keith's a murderer. So And um, he injected him with heroin. Yes, exactly, that bastard. Um, also, can I just point out, Terry hangs up on Kim and calls the police. So Terry's like, Kim's ringing, Mom, Mom, you got to come get us. We're not at a party. We're here. Terry literally hangs up on her own daughter and calls the cops. Like, stay on the bothered, line. I was more bothered by Kim calling Terry. Yeah. Like, is she going to get there quicker than 911? Or Jack? Call your fucking government agent father like if you're on the phone to jack jack is fucking dropping everything like a guy's about to kill palmer like i've got the shot till i take it no fuck it my daughter's in trouble (laughs) and the way that he drives he could be in new york by the time terry gets across los angeles yeah exactly god this again this show would if people listen to jack this show would be called like 12 (laughs) so um yeah uh the the, i will say the interrogation scene jack and nina Great insight into what we're going to have with Jack Bauer. Like, uh, just mm. like it's a real, like we're getting these little nuggets, aren't we, of Jack? And this is one of them. Like, the, who are you working for? And just even when he realizes, like, that was that weekend we were banging in Santa Barbara, just again, facial expression. Well, the, one thing I will say, like, I love it when Jack apologizes and then Nina's like, how could you? Like, it's, it's a bit <laughs> Sweet Valley High. And then he sculpts <laughs> down into the chair. So, yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on this episode after we've gone through it here. Um, so we have nothing else to add. We should, uh, rate this episode, I guess. We should, Colin. Uh, That is what we should do. Why don't you go first? Um, I'm going to buy it. I, yeah, I just, I, I do like this episode. I think kind of, um... Again, as we said at the top, it's not going to stand up as one of the greatest of all time, but it's a, it's a solid episode. Um, you know, you're not bored. Definitely not. The episode goes by very quickly. And uh, I think it's got a, a, as I said, like if you know what happens in this show, you know what to expect. You know how this story is going to play out. It, it, it adds value to it. And also character development like jack there's just elements of jack that we're getting to know nina uh tony at least at the beginning uh i even think i would even say kim like there's some stuff about her as well so um palmer of course too i'm forgetting palmer um so yeah no i i i'm gonna buy it and if i'm gonna rate this episode i'm actually gonna put this at number one i feel this is a stronger episode than the pilot so yeah that's where i'm standing right now three episodes in Uh. this is the best episode of 24 yeah, I'm, I'm going with number one in the uh, rankings as well. Rankings. Um, rankings, baby. Uh, <laughs> the new hit song from uh, <laughs> Kiefer Likes Taquitos too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'd go as far as to buy it only because really in the end, I'm not going to remember much about this episode. You know, two, three hours from now, because uh, we cover this in real time, by the way. There's a there's a newsflash for the people listening at home. <laughs> we are on a 24-hour binge covering 24. Uh, but uh, this isn't something that's going to stand out even within a week or two, I feel. Uh, but it's all around enjoyable. And, so you're renting? Uh, have, I'm going to rent, but it's going to be a pretty solid rent. So, so this is uh, your I number one know- episode, but you're renting it? Yet Your number two episode, you bought it? That's a weird combination. Did I buy number two? You, you, no, you bought the pilot. And that, yeah. Okay, well, okay. I would, here's the thing the pilot, just for the fact that it is the pilot, I feel like it's worth buying. 
Okay. But this is a stronger episode. So, I mean, it, really, they're all renters at this point. It's just the pilot is the original. Well, you, you do you. I just don't think in any of these episodes, <laughs> these recaps, I've ever had somebody rank a rent episode higher than a buy well, episode. So. I changed my mind then, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, is that you changing your mind? You're going to buy it or you're going to rate this below the pilot? You know what? Fine. I'll buy it, okay? But then yes, I'll sell it, it to you. <laughs> I'll sell it to you and recover some of my costs. <laughs> Good. My, my negotiating skills. By worked. the way, anybody who listened to our recap of The Craft a couple months ago, back in oh, October. Can't stop listening movie, to it. <laughs> movie that Jamie has begged us to do for years, uh, bought on the episode, did nothing but defend. She rewatched it after we covered the episode and said, you're right, that is a bim. <laughs> <laughs> it's only taken you 25 years to recognize it. Okay, good. Good job, Jamie. Uh, so, yes, uh, we, 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 we are allowed to amend our opinions here. Um uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be the next episode or not, but looking forward, we're not that far away from the point where I know that this show completely hooked me. Uh, it's going to be coming up within the next two, three episodes or whatever. We're, we're getting closer to the point where I became like full on invested in 24, but uh, it's coming. Um, yeah. Do you know anything about the upcoming episode? Um, off the top of my head, no, I haven't. Sometimes I like to afford watch an episode so I can come into these like next preview, uh, next on yeah. 24 things a little bit more, uh, smarter, I guess. But from memory, the next episode might be the Alan York, uh, twist maybe. Cause I know Janet's in hospital. So I feel like the, the, the next episode cliffhanger, if I'm thinking it's the correct episode, is finally our first like, <gasps> like cliffhanger. Alan so, York. Not Alan York. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's the next one. Okay. So we're getting into some of the good stuff here. Um, you can listen to all those other great shows that we're covering right now. All those other great movies that we're covering, uh, which Ben, <laughs> Are you having as much fun as I am covering I all that I cannot believe how much fun. I've never had as much fun in my life covering all those movies. <laughs> all those movies on All Those Movies Month that we are now partway into. <laughs> all Those Movies um, Month. L- listen to all our tags on the end of this and pay us over at 007 for a Patreon. Uh, we'll give you your money's worth. Possibly on the Oz Network, because surely by Maybe. now when we're releasing this, we've actually finally started one. I'm uh. sure we have. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we already have millions of subscribers. Uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Colin, and I like taquitos too. My name is Ben, and I'm that guy that's running for president, dog. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.